You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to another episode of the How to Win podcast. These podcasts are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ. I want you to tag a friend and let them know that we're live on Facebook and that it's going to be a blessing. You can also get the audio on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast, but it's going to be a blessing. I got my iPad here, and I want you to send your comments. I want you to send your questions, and we're going to begin a new series today, and I believe that it's going to be a blessing to you. Now, listen, some weeks ago, I decided based off what I was feeling led to do to take some of the things that we are sharing on Sundays and share it on my podcast. Now, there are several reasons, and I want to just take about five minutes and share with you why I am doing that. I often use illustrations and analogies so that you, the hearer, and especially my flock, you can follow what I am attempting to do by the Spirit of God. The reason why I decided, several reasons why I decided to start sharing some of the things that we're sharing on Sundays for this season is because often in church, in church services, we have our teaching uh, time in our local churches, but often what we get in church is knowledge. We get information. But we don't get understanding, and that's why uh, sometimes you'll hear people who sit in church, and they hear what's taught, and they say, well, I heard that, and then they get in the crucible of everyday life, and they act like people who've never heard. And the reason why, and sometimes they act like people who are not even saved, and the reason why is because in church, they got knowledge, but they didn't get understanding. In my quiet time, my devotional prayer, study the word quiet time this morning, I came across a text in 2nd second, in Timothy chapter 2 verse 7. It says, consider what I say and the Lord will give you understanding. Consider what I say and the Lord will give you understanding. In other words, pay attention, meditate on what I say, and he said the Lord will give you understanding. See, understanding doesn't come just by hearing. Understanding comes by meditating on what you have heard. And meditation involves repetition. You have to hear it, and you have to hear it, and you have to hear it, and then the Spirit of God, and in this, on my podcast, you can even ask questions, you get even more understanding, and then you end up having knowledge and understanding. But there's another reason why there are people, pastors and ministers and Christians who are not a part of our local church, who don't hear me on Sunday mornings, but feel a connection with me and feel that I am a part of their spiritual development. So this is so very important. So for this season, not forever, for this season, I'm led to go over some of the things that we said on Sundays. And thirdly, God said the next move of God is going to be in the area of character. And see, these lessons are character building. These lessons are not about you getting your needs met and God delivering you and God giving you a word to help you. No, it's not about that. You see, Christianity is not just about you prospering and you getting your needs met. And if you've been with me any length of time, you know that I teach prosperity. I've been called to teach prosperity. I believe in it. But as a prophet, my job is to help you grow and develop. You cannot grow as a Christian if Everything is about you getting your needs met. So some of you, you go from site to site, you go from uh, station to station, teacher to teacher, trying to hear something to bless you and get your needs met and help you do this and help you do that. But every relationship 
healthy relationship has to be mutual. It's not just about you getting some from God. It's about you also wanting to help God. So how can I help you? What's your thoughts? What do you want to do in the earth? How can I be a part of what you see? No relationship can be one-sided. So what I'm teaching now is not just about you getting. It's about you helping God and you growing in God to be a part of what God wants to do. Well, I just wanted to share that with you so that you can continue to walk with me. Now, we begin begin beginning a new series today. It's a four lesson series entitled The Culture of Heaven. And the theme of this series is on the fruit of the Spirit. Each one of these four lessons, we have a subtopic, and the subtopic is the king's character, the king's character. Now, I want to introduce and spend just a season in the introduction to set up what I'm going to say today. Very important stuff. And I got my iPad. Send your questions, your comments, whatever you want to. You can object. You can do whatever you want, and we'll discuss it at the end of the lesson. Here's a background that I want to start with as a part of my introduction. In Proverbs 29, verse 2, in the New King James Version, it says, When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, the people groan. Now, notice what it says. It says, when the righteous are in authority, when a person who has godly character is in authority, in leadership, it says that the people will rejoice. And why is that? Well, the person who's in leadership, if they're godly, then their godliness is going to color their leadership which will, as a result, impact the followers or the hearers in a positive way. And then the collective belief, behavior, and thinking of the followers will create a culture of rejoicing. On the other hand, if the ungodly, the wicked, are ruling or in leadership, then their ungodly character is going to color the nature of their leadership, which will impact the followers, the people, in a negative way, and it will result in a culture of mourning, groaning. Now, so from that text, I want to give you a principle and give you a couple of examples to prepare us for what we're going to learn today. Here's the principle. A leader's character will impact the culture, will impact the followers with a leadership culture, a leadership-like culture. I'll say that again. A the a leader's a leader's character will impact the followers with a culture of leader-like qualities. Now, let me let me say it a little bit different. I'll give you an example. If a leader has a godly character or ungodly character, that character, godliness or ungodliness, is going to color how they lead people, which in turn will impact the followers in either a positive or negative way. And then the collective beliefs and the collective thoughts of the follower will create a leader-like culture. I'll give you a couple of illustrations. I, I use this Sunday. Our campus pastor in Columbus, Georgia, we have a campus in Columbus, Georgia, and our campus pastor name is Naomi Scarborough. 
Now, she has three other sisters and she has two other brothers. So there are four sisters and two brothers. And as a pastor, I have been fortunate enough to pastor all four sisters and one of the brothers. And I noticed something about all five of them, the four sisters and the brother. They, all of them, have a love for God. They all have a love for the word. They all have a love for people, a love for church, and a desire to serve people. All of them. All of them. And it's so interesting because I've been able to see the four sisters and be their pastor and the four and the one brother be his pastor. And they, they have different personalities, but they all possess this loving God, loving people, loving church, loving the word, love helping people. They all possess the same qualities. And in discussing with some of them, I discovered that they all pointed back to their upbringing their father and their mother. They pastored, their father and their mother pastored a church, but they all say that their parents were the same whether they were in public or in private. So it points back to their parents, the leaders of the home, their godly character colored how they led their children and being exposed to that kind of leadership, their collective belief, their collective thoughts, their collective behavior have created a culture of parent-like culture. In other words, the parents, the leaders of the family, cause the culture to be a certain way. Now, now follow me. I give you another illustration. I'm an Alabama fan. For all of you football fans, I like Auburn and I like Tuskegee and I like all these other things, but I believe Alabama has had the best chance in some cases to be a national champion. But I like good football. I lo love good football. And right now, it's my opinion that the Georgia Bulldogs in college football is the best team, the number one team, and I believe that is undeniable. There's something very special about the Georgia Bulldogs football team in this season. They are elite on defense. The Offensive line, the defensive line is elite. The linebackers are elite. The secondary, special teams, they have a special elite quality about them. They are aggressive. In fact, they are dangerous. They are scary good. Scary good. Well, where did that come from? Their coach, their leader, Coach Kirby Smart, I believe, has an elite defensive mind as a coach. He had it at Alabama. At Alabama, when he was the defensive coordinator at Alabama, he, they, they had elite defensive teams. Well, notice how the coach, his mindset of defense, colored his leadership, and his leadership impact his players and the exposure to their coach and his mindset created a coach, a collective behavior and thought process that re related in a culture of coach-like qualities. Now, what am I saying? I am saying that in the kingdom of God, Jesus Christ is our leader. He's a godly leader. And he, his leadership is impacted by his godliness. We are citizens. We are ambassadors of Christ. We're following Christ.
And it is his intent that his godliness and his godly leadership create in us Christ-like qualities. Now, in our last series, we were talking, of, we, we said some things that I think is so very important, but we gave words like character and, and words like culture, and we said that as believers, as Christians, that we are to replicate Jesus' character, and we are to reproduce heaven's culture in the earth. But much of the time, we don't know what these words mean. So let's give definition to the word character and the word culture. The word character is the group of qualities that make a person different from others. A group of qualities that make a person different from others. So what makes you and I as Christians different from others is those qualities that we possess that are different than others. It's Jesus' qualities that he possessed that makes him different from others. So what is culture? Culture is a pattern of thinking and behavior shared by a group of people. A pattern of thinking and behavior shared by a group of people. It includes how they relate and respond to others. It includes the way they react to problems, the way they deal with disappointment. And culture, every environment has a culture. Your home environment has a culture. Your work environment has a culture. Your school environment has a culture. Now, some schools, they have a, a culture of academic excellence. They graduate people on a high level. Some schools don't have that culture. So they graduate people on a low level. Every home, every church, every workplace has a culture. Now, with that introduction and that background, let's switch over and just talk to in, about the kingdom and let's talk about character and culture in the kingdom of God. Now, there are two kingdoms, we've learned this, that there are two kingdoms operating in the earth. Colossians 1.13 in the New Living Translation says, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of God's dear son. So there are two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of darkness and Satan is the king. And then there's the kingdom of God's dear son and Jesus is the king. The kingdom of God's dear son and the kingdom of darkness. Now, I want to read a background text that we're going to be studying in, in the rest of these four lessons. We, we're going to be hidden the fruit of the Spirit. But I want to read Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 through 23 in the traditional King James Version. Then we're going to come back and look at it because we have to know the difference of thinking and behavior in the kingdom of darkness and the thinking and behavior in the kingdom of God's dear son. And if you're a believer, you're in the kingdom of God's dear son. You're no longer in the kingdom of darkness. Now, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19, it says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, reveling, and such like. 
of which I tell you before, as I've also told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, but the fruit of the Spirit, verse 22, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, or faithfulness, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. Now, we said that there are two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of darkness, Satan is the king, and the kingdom of God's dear son. That's Jesus' kingdom, the kingdom that you and I are in. Now, listen very carefully. The, there are two things in juxtaposition in this, in this text I just read to you. There is a representation of the kingdom of darkness, and there's a representation of the kingdom of God's dear son. It begins talking about the works of the flesh in verse 19. And the reason why it begins by talking about the works of the flesh, because Satan's character, the group of qualities that make Satan different from others, is the works of the flesh. Now, I'm going to say that again. Satan's character, and that's what Paul is doing, and the interesting thing about it is he's telling Christians, because this Galatians was written to Christians. It wasn't written to sinners. It was written to Christians. But he's telling us Christians, this is Satan's character, and this is the culture of the kingdom of darkness, and this is Jesus' character, and this is the culture of the kingdom of God's dear son. So what Paul is telling us by the Spirit is that Satan's character, the qualities that make Satan different from others, is the works of the flesh. And these 17 things, he mentions seven things, 17 things that really represent Satan's character. What is Satan like? Satan is like these 17 things. And these 17 things are sins or manifestations that he used to govern his followers, the unsaved. The unsaved, these 17 things, characterizes the unsaved people. And their collective thoughts, beliefs, and behavior of the unsaved has created a culture that is Satan-like, a culture like Satan. Now, I want you to get this. These 17 things are not just habits, not just, no, this is Satan's character. This is the group of qualities that make Satan different from others. This is how Satan influenced the unsaved world. These seven things categorize unsaved people. Not that Every unsaved person will manifest each one of these qualities, but collectively, this is how unsaved people live. And then the collective uh, behavior and thoughts of the unsaved create a culture that is Satan-like. So let's walk through these things. He lists the, the first three are, uh, has to do with sexual manifestations or sexual behavior or sexual sins. Two of these behaviors has to do with religious sins, religious behavior, and then the rest, for the most part, has to do with social sins, the way we relate to people. So let's look at the first three. Adultery is sexual relations of married people outside of the marriage bond. 
is both emotional and physical. It is unfaithfulness to your spouse. You can be unfaithful to your spouse in a physical way, but you can connect to somebody, a man or female, in an emotional way that does not involve sex, but it involves romance. It involves a romantic connection. So physical or emotional unfaithfulness to your spouse is called adultery. Now, it is a characteristic of Satan because Satan is unfaithful. So when a spouse go outside of their marriage, then they're actually operating in the character of Satan, unfaithfulness. Now, we may talk about more about this a little later, but here's what we have to do because now he's talking to Christians. So us Christians shouldn't be representing Satan's character. And so one of the things we're going to have to do, and I don't have time to spend all day on this one, we're going to have to stop flirting with people we are not married to. We have to stop flirting. Stop it. Stop ego tripping. Stop getting your ego. And we married people have to stop making excuses. My spouse is not meeting my needs. And maybe your spouse is not meeting your needs. And maybe your and your spouse should be meeting your needs. But that gives you no right to go outside of your marriage and represent Satan by connecting to somebody outside of your marriage. At some point, you're going to have to trust God to help you, give you the grace, and work that situation out. The second uh, manifestation of the work of the flesh is fornication. It is illicit sexual relations of unmarried people that includes premarital sex, incest, sex between relatives, bestiality, sex between animals, with animals, prostitution, sex for finances, pedophilia, sex with underage kids, pornography, virtual, visual, sexual activity, sex with images, sex with pictures that usually involve masturbation. Now, so single people, Christians, we're going to have to learn to trust God. Because fornication is a work of the flesh. It is a quality of Satan's nature. And I like to give a special word to single guys. A single guys. And, and I shared this Sunday. It is unfortunate that many single Christian men have a reputation of being no different than God, ungodly, unsaved men. And that has to change. And we have to change that. We have to change that. You know, when we were in the world, talking to you saved guys, when we were in the world, we were looking for panties. You know that. We were looking for panties. We went to parties looking for panties. We went to concerts looking for panties. We were always trying to get between women's legs. That's what we were. That was our nature. That's how we were uh, our bent. Now that we're born again, we have to stop looking for panties. We have to stop representing Satan. We have to stop. And we got to change this reputation because it's unfortunate. It is very unfortunate, and I know I'm speaking to some of you, it's very unfortunate that we've got single women who are trying to live for God and preserve themselves for God, and here you are being led by Satan, trying to cause them to pull their pants down. Now, I know some of you don't like that language. I know you don't like that language, but I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to my single guys. You've got to decide whether you're going to be saved or whether you're going to be unsaved. 
It would be better if you're just going to be running through women, sleeping with women, got to have women to sleep with you. You're never, listen to me, listen to me. You're never going to have a quality relationship. And even if you get married one day, you're going to have, you're going to be all over the place because every time you connect to somebody sexually, a part of you connects to that person. So you're going to, pieces of you going to be everywhere and it's going to be hard for you to be satisfied even after you get married because you're going to have all this exposure and all yourself all over the place and you're going to have a difficult time even in your married life. So you've got to decide now, are you going to act like demons or are you going to represent Christ? you got to make that decision. The, the next thing, and I know that there are single women, you feel like the only way you can get a man and keep a man is sleep with him. And so you got to get your self-esteem together and you got to decide to trust God. Now, uncleanness is homosexuality. It includes lesbianism, bisexuality, transgenderism, etc. The reason why I said that uncleanness here is a... It speaks to same-sex relations because in Romans 1, 24 and 27, the Bible said that God gave them over to uncleanness to dishonor their bodies among themselves. And then it gave description. It says they left the natural use of the woman and women are leaving the natural use of the man, men working with men, things that are unseemly, women working with women, things that are unseemly. Same-sex relations is a perversion of God's order. And you have to, if you're a Christian, and you can be a Christian now, because you can be a Christian and commit adultery, you can be a Christian and fornicate, you can be a Christian and engage in same-sex relations. If you are a Christian now, you have to stop believing the lie that God created you that way. You have to, you have to decide whether or not you're going to believe the scripture or you're just going to come up with your own way of, of life. Now, the next thing is lasciviousness. We don't use that word lasciviousness, but lasciviousness is a lack of restraint. I see a comment. I see a question there. L keep sending your questions, your comments. Uh, lasciviousness is a lack of restraint. We would call it an addiction. We, we use the word addiction. Well, a lack of restraint is lasciviousness. Now, this takes us beyond the boundaries of sex because it, you can have a sexual addiction, but you can be addicted to, to clothes, you can be addicted to food, you can be addicted to a lot of things. So lasciviousness is an addiction. Idolatry is, is, represents that first religious sin. It is putting things ahead of God. It's man-made religion is a devotion to things. We don't bow down to idols. We don't bow down to things we make. But many Christians are bowing down to materialism. And materialism is not having stuff because God wants us to have stuff. Materialism is not having a lot of stuff or a lot of things. Materialism is trying to satisfy a spiritual need with material things. In other words, you have a low self-esteem. You don't feel good about yourself. So you get this house so you can feel good about yourself. You get this car so you can feel good about yourself. You get this expensive purse so you can feel good about yourself. That's materialism. You're trying to satisfy a spiritual need with a material thing. And you got some people, they're anti-idolatry because they allow things to take them away from God. There are people who don't have time for church. They don't have time for God. They don't have time for the Bible because they're always working to try to get things. So things have become their idols. Idolatry. The next on the list is big. It's witchcraft. Now, witchcraft is sorcery. 
It's the use of power, supernatural power, the gain, the gain from the assistance of evil spirits. It's the occult practices, fortune-telling, casting spells, levitation, people lifting up. They're coming up off the floor and lifting up in the air. That's levitation, seances, uh, conversing with the dead, Ouija boards, um, conversing with the dead through medium, psychics, spirit guides, any use of drugs for a legal purpose. It, you know, sorcery and, and, and the occult practices are big in our day. Uh, you got Christians, we've even had members of our church going to people to get readings about their fortune. They're paying the money to get fortune. That's, that's the money. That's Satan's nature. Uh, fortune telling is just a perversion of the word of knowledge. You said, well, they told me about my past. They told me about my future. Well, they were operating under what the Bible called familiar spirits, demonic spirits. You got people conversing with the dead. You got Christians talking to uh, what they think is their dead loved ones. And listen, if your mother died, your brother died, your husband died, your wife died, and now at night you're talking to them, you're operating in witchcraft because your relative can come back and talk to you to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. If you're not saved, to be absent from the body, to be present somewhere else, okay? So, so people don't come back. If you're talking to somebody, people go to the cemetery and they talk to the grave and they talk to the dirt and they talk to their loved ones. That's totally forbidden in scripture. Talking to the dead because you're not talking to the dead. You're talking to demon spirits. If you wake up at night and you see your loved one and they appear before you and they look just like them, I want you to bind that spirit and command that person to leave because that's not your spouse, that's not your uh, dead loved one, that's an evil spirit masquerading as. So Christians are involved in all this stuff. Harry Potter uh, is connected to witchcraft. We got Halloween. Think about it. People don't know the the, they don't know the history, the origin of Halloween. Halloween go all the way back 2,000 years ago to the ancient Celtic people in what we now call, what we now know as Ireland or Northern France. And they had a, a festival every, every year and they celebrated the new year on November the 1st. November the 1st was the end of summer for them and the end of harvest, and it was the beginning of a dark winter which symbolizes death and the dead. So they believe, the Celtics believe, that the night before November the 1st, which is the 31st, the lines between the living and the dead were blurred, and they believe that the ghosts or the spirits of dead uh, dead loved ones would come back and appear to people. And they believed, well, they believed that these spirits that came back on the 31st would actually cause damage and crop failure, but they also believed that they empowered their priests to tell fortunes. And so the night before the uh, November the 1st, they would wear costumes and they would, they would actually uh, uh, sacrifice uh, to their deities, to their gods. And it was always, Halloween has always been associated with ghosts and demons and spirits and witchcraft. Now watch this, and you'll notice that Hollywood season, if you go to the movies, look at the movie guide. Most of the movies are horror movies, scary movies. You got Christians going to haunted houses, and a haunted house is nothing more than a demon-possessed house. Now, I know that there's some natural things that people are doing to scare people and all that, but these houses 
are houses that spirits gather in, demonic spirits. No Christian should go to a haunted house. If you're going to all these movies uh, on Halloween and, and, and all that, you're celebrating fear, you're celebrating demon spirits, and a lot of Christians don't, don't know anything about that. But it's a form of witchcraft, and we're supposed to stay away from witchcraft. Hatred. It's hostility toward other people or groups of people. It would include racial prejudice. It would include racism. I see I got uh, several questions here. I'm going to get to your questions in a moment. Uh, so hatred is a uh, characteristic of Satan. Variance, that's contention, discord, quarreling, uh, fighting, any form of fighting represents Satan's nature, uh, gang activity where people fight each other. That's a representative of Satan's character and his nature. You got men who fight women. No Christian men should be, you shouldn't be fighting a female, your wife or whoever, your girlfriend. You shouldn't be hitting on her. You shouldn't be cursing her. In fact, all Christians should get all profanity out of your house. There should be no profanity, no profanity, none, none. That's the devil's language. Get it all out of your house, all out of it. My wife, we've been married 43 years. She's never heard me curse. My kids has never heard me curse. We don't have to have that. You don't have to have that. You can express yourself without cursing. Uh, emulation is jealousy, the desire to have what others have. Wrath is uncontrolled anger, violent, abusive behavior. Strife is selfishness, selfish ambition, a desire to get ahead at others' expense. Uh, sedition is to stand apart, is every form of division whether it's sectarianism, denominationalism, everything that divides and separates us is characteristic of Satan. Heresies, to choose an opinion or position contrary to God's word. And, and there's so many heresies out there. Uh, just so many heresies. I, um, I, I, you know, when we were talking about vaccinations, and I'm not talking about that right now, but there's some people that believe that vaccinations is the mark of the beast, and that's a heresy, okay? That's an opinion or position that's contrary to God's word. Vaccinations can't be the mark of the beast because the beast hasn't showed up. The beast is representative in Romans, in Revelation 13, the beast is symbolic of the Antichrist, and the mark of the beast is a mark of worship and submission to the Antichrist. You cannot have the mark before you have the Antichrist. So the vaccine is not the mark of the beast. I tell you another heresy that's big in, 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 among black people. I was walking downtown Birmingham and some guys came up and they had their little Bible and they were talking about this Hebrew, black Hebrew language and stuff like that. And, and, and they were trying to convince me and I immediately knew it was heresy. This black Hebrew Israelite religion that a lot of black people get caught up in is heresy. It is heresy. It is not consistent with Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1 through 2, you have six fundamental doctrines of Christ. Anything that speaks against or contrary to those six doctrines is heresy. And you got a lot of people, they use Jesus, they throw Jesus out, but it's heresy. It's an opinion, and usually it's an opinion that some man came up with and some folk came up with, and they pull sections out of the Bible, and they say this, and you know, the black people are the true Israelites and all this. It is heresy. It is a characteristic of Satan. Envying displeasure at the success or prosperity of others. When you 
get really upset at somebody's prosperity or you desire to take it from them or you desire that they lose it or somebody that's prosperous, successful, and they fall and you get excited about it and talk about it, then that's envy. Murder, the unlawful killing of others. That wouldn't be war because war is a part of life. War is a part of it. But but uh, abortion at demand, on demand is, 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 will fall on the murder. Abortion at demand, I get pregnant, I want the baby. I don't want the baby. So I'm going to have an abortion. That's not godly. That's not godly. Uh, drunkenness, intoxication caused by strong drink, alcohol, or drugs. Well, I'm going to go out and get drunk. You got Christians. They like to get drunk. That is a work of the flesh. It's a character of Satan. Reveling, we don't use that word, but that's wild parties or gatherings for entertainment that involves drinking and illicit sex. So if you're going to a party that involves illicit sex and drinking, then you're involved in reveling. And then he says such alike. In other words, he lists 17 things, then he says, and such like, things like this. In other words, this is not an exhaustive list. So why is it important for us to talk about in church these 17 things? Because you have Christians who are functioning in these 16 areas. And Paul wanted us to know by the Spirit of God, these seven things represent the character of Satan, his influence on unsaved people, and the culture of the kingdom of darkness, which is Satan-like. So when Christians practice the works of the flesh, we are replicating Satan's character. We are representing the kingdom of darkness, and we are reinforcing a culture that's Satan-like. Now, I know that most Christians don't realize what they're doing, so single guys, when you're just going from female to female, always looking for somebody to sleep with, and you have to sleep with her, you are replicating the character of Satan. You are, re you are rep representing the kingdom of darkness, and you're reinforcing his Satan-like culture. Now, what we're going to be talking about the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about the character of Jesus. Jesus' character, the group of qualities that make him different from others, and the group of qualities that make us different from the unsaved is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, faithfulness, meekness, temperance, that's the character of Jesus. And when we operate and practice and develop the fruit of the Spirit, we are replicating because people have been saying, well, how do I do this? How do I do this? You are replicating the character of Jesus in the world. You are reproducing the culture of heaven, the kingdom of God in the world. And you are enforcing God's plan in the earth. So you and I will either be replicating Satan's character. Or we're going to be replicating God, Jesus' character. We're going to be representing the kingdom of darkness. Or we're going to be representing the kingdom of God's dear son. We're going to be reinforcing, establishing and reinforcing the kingdom of Satan, the culture of Satan, and his likeness in the earth, or we're going to be establishing or reinforcing the character of Jesus and his culture 
Christ-likeness in the earth. Now, I want to close, and then I got several questions, and I got a comment. You can still send your questions. You can still send your comments. God's purpose, his general purpose for us in the earth, there are specific assignments we given, but according to Romans 8.29, his purpose for us is that we be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. God intends for us to be just like Christ in the earth. Now, Jesus says something in John 12, 32. You can send your questions. You can send your comments. I'm, I'm near the point where I'm going to answer them. Jesus said in, in John 12, 32, in the New King James Version, he says, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He says, if I be lifted up from the earth. Now, in context, he's talking about going to the cross. But in principle, he's, he's saying, if you exalt his character, his Christ-likeness in the earth, he says, I'll draw people to me. The reason why people are not being drawn to Christ Somebody said, well, we just need another pastor. We need a better pastor. We just need this. We need that. No, no. The reason, the main reason why people are not being drawn to Jesus is because Christians look too much like the world. We act like the world. We react like the world. We're trying to be like the world. And we hate being different. We are ashamed of being different. So the world doesn't see us because we're on Facebook, we're on social media, and we hold up our alcohol just like they all hold up their alcohol. We turn around and let everybody show, see our butt just like everybody see their butts. So we act just like we curse on social media. We speak vulgar language. We put pictures on social media. So why should people be drawn to Christ if we act just like the unsaved? Why should they be drawn to Christ? Now, this, this can seem hard. It can seem like, you know, you just being hard. You just being mean. No, I'm standing in the office of the prophet, and I'm calling you and me and us to another level. We have to be different from the world. And if you don't want to be different, just go back in the world and live like a dog. Don't try to be in the kingdom and act like the unsaved because you mess up stuff. Folk don't want God. They don't want church because they see us looking just like them. Now, I'm not trying to be tough. I'm not trying to be hard, but just that's what God is calling us to a to be different. Now, I've got I've got and next week we're going to begin to talk about love, joy, peace and all those things. And I'm not going to be talking about you getting your knees met. I'm not going to be talking about that because that's immaturity. That's immaturity to think about yourself all the time. We're thinking about God. We're thinking about how we're going to live for God, how we're going to represent God, how we're going to help God in the earth, not us. Then God says, if you seek first the kingdom, he said, I'll give you all this other stuff. He said, I'll add all this stuff to you. Okay. I got, I got some questions. I know they're going to be good, too. I know you always ask good questions. You always ask good ones. One comment at the top says, thank you, Pastor. You help a lot of us. God bless you. Thank you. I'm, I'm trying to help. Sometimes it may not sound like it, but I'm trying to help. First question. Good afternoon, Pastor Mike. When you say we won't inherit the kingdom of God if we're living in the kingdom of Satan, does that mean on earth or in heaven? That's a great question because I didn't even talk about that. Now, notice what it says. It lists these 17 things and then that, that 18th thing, catch all such light. And then he says, such that do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, listen at this. I do not believe that when it says 
that people who practice, who do these things will not inherit the kingdom of God is not saying the people who do these things are going to go to hell. I don't believe it's saying that. I don't believe it's saying that at all. I don't believe it's saying that at all. Because there, there are many things other than the things that are listed. So we want to say that the fornicator going to hell we want to say that the adulterer going to hell, that the gay person is going to hell. But the Bible such such a light. What about the people who have envy in their hearts? What about the people who are jealous? What about the people who gossip? So, listen, a lot of Christians doing all this stuff. No, there are an inheritance in the kingdom here on the earth. So you ask, is it on the earth or in heaven? And I say both. I said both. But here's what I mean by both. I believe that there's a, a level, a, a quality of our inheritance that we will not experience in the earth if we operate in the works of the flesh. There's a level of prosperity we won't experience. There's a level of anointing we won't experience. There's a level of intimacy we won't experience. There's a level of influence we won't experience. And even if we do experience influence, Satan will take it away by our lack of good character. So there's things that we will lose in this life. It's not our salvation, but there are things. And then the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, that when we get to heaven, we're going to have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. So I'm talking heaven now. We're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And it says, what we build on the foundation, the foundation is Jesus. We accept Jesus, so we're in heaven. So we're not getting to heaven by what we do or don't do. We're not going to get to heaven because we live holy and right. We're going to get to heaven because we trust Jesus and his finished work. Grace only. Salvation through grace by faith. But once we get to heaven, we are going to be evaluated for rewards and levels of influence in heaven based off our works. And it says some men will give, give silver and gold and, and precious things. Their works are going to be precious. Some will have wood, hay, and stubble. So it says the fire is going to declare it. So at the judgment seat of Christ, the Bible says that Jesus is going to evaluate our works, not so we can get to heaven because we're going to already be in heaven, but for rewards. And it says that if our works burn, we're going to suffer loss, but we ourselves will be saved. So there's going to be some Christians because they live ungodly lives here are going to suffer loss in heaven, but it's not going to be the loss of salvation, but it's going to be the loss of eternal reward. So that's very powerful. We're going to talk about some of that in some of these series in the future, but that's a great question. Uh, question, would horoscopes be a form of witchcraft? I think that if you're looking at horoscopes to, 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 to discern what a person is like, and if you're looking at a horoscope to, to discover future events, it's witchcraft. In other words, you are not a Sagittarius and you act this way because you were born in December. You are not a this because you were born in this. No, if that's the way you're directing your life based off horoscopes and you think you're that kind of person because of a horoscope, yes, that is a form of witchcraft. Good question. Regarding transgender, Pastor, when a man has surgery to castrate himself, do that make him a eunuch? Have surgery to castrate himself? You know, I, I, I'm having a hard time answering that question. Uh, I'm having a hard time answering that question because I think that there are things that people do that's really not new covenant. You know, I've heard of people castrating themselves and and dedicating themselves to live for God and that kind of thing so they won't be able to engage in sex. I, I personally don't think that's New Covenant. 
because new covenant is not a physical circumcision, physical castration. New covenant is a spiritual circumcision, is a spiritual castration. In other words, you're not cutting off your, you know what, in the kingdom, you're by the grace of God, the spirit of God, the new nature that's on the in you, the Holy Spirit, you're cutting off things. But I don't think castration is new covenant. I think that's an old covenant principle, old covenant things do, but ours is spiritual. We put to death the flesh. We, we are through the power of God's grace and the power of the Holy Spirit and the word of God. It's a spiritual thing, not a physical thing, but that's a great question. Referring to Halloween, so it was never a holy night. It was, no, it was, it was uh, listen, so referring to Halloween, so it was never a holy night, turn back. No, it was never a holy night. It never even it began with a holy night. It began with the dead coming back. And the dead can't come back, so that spirit's coming back. So it, it began in fortune-telling. It began in demon spirits coming back in the earth. It began in horror. It never began in nothing holy. Good question. How do you pray for a family member to get out of controlling fornication relationships? Well, um, you pray for grace. You pray for them to get connected to a local church. Pray for them to get in the word. You pray for them uh, to have mentorship and support spiritually. Uh, but it's not your prayer alone. Uh, and we're going to talk about some of this later uh, in another in, in our next series. We're going to get into some of this. But you pray for them, for people to come into their life that can help them, uh, for them to have, get in the right environment, for them to get connected to the word. And I tell you, there's a big problem with Christians and pornography today, and we're going to get into some of that in, in our next series. Do you think certain styles and kinds of dancing can be representative of the kingdom of God? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think there are certain styles uh, I think certain uh, dancing can be representation of the kingdom. Say, I don't think all dancing is sinful. I think certain styles, I think, uh, you know, breasts are in, it, you know, breasts are just in, you know, I, in other words, now a lot of women, the fashion designers are, are building clothes where women show a lot of their breasts, you know, it, it's just fashionable. It's in. Now, it's going to sound old-fashioned, archaic, and and all this kind of stuff, and I know people are going to say, well, you just old school and all that, and that's that religion, and that's why I want religion. Well, I, I, just, I just think, I don't think a woman should have her dress down to her ankles, and I don't think she have a neck collar up to her neck and all that. But I, I just think that women should dress a little bit, Christian women should dress a little bit different. I, I just do. I just think that women, Christian women should have some concern in terms of being led by the Spirit. Because some things are not just about you. Some things are love, and we're going to see that next week. Love is about what's best for others. So is it best for me? that you show me everything. Is it best for me that you wear something where I can see everything in your body? Is that best for me as a man? Is that best for others? You say, well, you need to get yourself together. Well, I'm saying is that best? And, and, and love is not just about what's best for me. Um, so is it a sin to say good morning to my loved ones that passed away? Uh, I don't, I don't know that I would say it's a sin, but your loved one that passed away can't hear you. They can't hear you say good morning. They're not here. You're in a natural realm. They're in a spirit world. They're not listening to you. I don't think you should be talking to dead people. I think, I think that's forbidden in scripture to talk to dead people. 
So I know, and I hate to call it a sin because it makes you feel like you're a bad person. I'm not saying you're a bad person. I'm saying that Christians don't know some things. And I'm saying, if I say good morning, Dad, to my father, or good morning to my mother, she's in heaven, she can't hear it. There's no scripture that says that we can communicate with the dead. There's no scripture that gives us the right to do that. It's forbidden in scripture talking to dead people. It's forbidden. I think there's only one instance where somebody was talking to the dead or brought somebody up or something like that, but that was because there was a witch doing something, but you're not supposed to do that. I think it gives place to the enemy. I think it gives place to familiar spirits, familiar spirits or demon spirits that are aware of your background, your life, and see what's going on in your life. They can see private things you do. So they can bring up information that nobody else knows but you, and you think it's God, but it's a familiar spirit. So that's a great question. No, don't say good morning uh, to your loved one. Don't say good morning. Don't say good night. Don't talk to them. Don't ask them questions. Talk to God. Talk to God. Great questions. Great questions. Thank you so very much. Um, went over a little bit, but I think it's very important for us to get this kind of information. I love you. Appreciate you. See you next time. Thank you.